Hello and welcome to Real Talk, Real Women. Today we have Alisa Fenig from Mexico. Fenig from Mexico. So Alisa helps women get out of their head. Sorry, I'm back. Get out of their heads and into their hips, guiding them in how to use ancient wisdom to transform unhealed patterns of trauma, release fear and shame, harness their intuition and creates a life their heart desires. She is an intuitive coach, speaker, podcast guest, and certified yoga therapist, living her best life with her daughter in Mexico. After suffering tremendously postpartum, Alisa is now also dedicated to helping mothers transform their health, embrace their rebirth, and break generational cycles of fear and shame using the ancient wisdom of yoga, Ayurveda and spirit medicine. She has been honored to share yoga as a therapy with veterans experiencing chronic pain and PTSD in conjunction with the VA hospitals, the Veteran Hospital and Indiana University. She has also worked in a clinical setting inside of a specialized unit at Eskenazi Hospital. When she's not speaking, teaching or writing, you can find Alisa spending time with her beloved daughter and dog and dancing tango in Mexico. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about breaking generational trauma with Alisa. Welcome. So happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Gemma. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, Alisa, can you please walk us through the big highlights, the big lines of your life? in a condensed manner so that people have the feeling that they know you. Sure, sure. So so I, I was born in the Midwest of the US in Cincinnati, Ohio, and but raised since I was five in Indianapolis, Indiana. So that's home for me. I mean, now home's Mexico, but, um, and so uh, typical Midwestern life. But one thing as I've went on my healing journey and realized um, and wanna share just, cause I think it's pertinent to what you're sharing with women is that how much, even though I had everything I needed growing up, but I didn't have the emotional support. Uh, my parents were young, 1920. Um, they were still, you know, figuring their own lives out. Like they still are in their, in their 60s. And, um, and, you know, and then I, it, it took me healing to realize this stuff affected me. And that's why I wanted to kind of highlight it. Um, and I had to grow up fast at the age of eight, my younger sister, who was three, almost four was hit by a car and suffered a traumatic brain injury. Mm -hmm. And so even like being raised in chaos, having young parents, then you have, you know, um, there, they weren't emotionally available because not by anyone's fault, you know, they needed to tend to their own dealing with what happened and my sister who had to learn how to walk and talk again. And as a strong independent woman, I never realized that affected me until I started. It's interesting how life circles around and makes you deal with these things. Um, so it, just in short, eventually as a yoga therapist, I was connected to the Love Your Brain organization and started hosting classes for traumatic brain injuries, which then was the catalyst to, to realize how much this hadn't been healed within my life mm. and how much that affected me. Not living in it or anything, but just knowing that 
there was a reason I didn't remember my childhood. I had to grow up fast um, and take on the responsibilities of an adult from a young age. And, you know, be, be, between, because of many reasons, even though I had wonderful parents who did their best and provided everything physically. So, um, so then, you know, I was an overachiever, overgiver. That's how I was um, trained to be and, and always worked that way. And I remember my father saying, you know, you need to slow down or you might give yourself an ulcer, like, especially as a teen, um, you know, I'm on student council, I'm this. Well, I never got ulcers, but I certainly ended up with physical issues and that sort of stuff, which, um, so it's, it's very interesting how these coping mechanisms play out. Um, I ended up working in association management, um, workaholic that kind of runs in my family. And at, after doing that for a while, I was on the path for CEO. Um, I realized, so I guess what happened was at some point in my mid twenties, I dated someone for two and a half years and he was a sociopath. I didn't know that those kind of people existed. Um, and because of my need to fulfill at that point in my life, um, I needed someone to love me because I had never received that. Well, I can't say I'd never received that. I didn't receive it to the need that um, I needed, uh, which is all things, you know, I'm, here I'm, I'm coming from a place of more healed space, understanding and realizing those are the things I needed and how they played out in my life and how I attracted certain people. So um, th that was, uh, I remember waking up and being like, and finding out two and a half years of my life were a lie and realizing how I played that role too. Um, and almost lost family and friends and stuff because of it, because if anyone's, you know, experienced that, it's pretty crazy. A lot of gaslighting and that sort of stuff. Um, but in my mind, I was never physically abused, so I was okay. You know, <laughs> and it's, I know, it's amazing <laughs> when you realize that only physical violence is considered domestic violence when uh -huh. it actually goes so much deeper to so many other layers to so many things that may not work relationship control uh, having to account for everything uh, temper tantrums um gaslighting yeah. and all these other things it doesn't have to go through a hit and you know what i was experiencing mm -hmm. When you get hit, mm -hmm. when it's not too, too bad, but when you get hit, as I was hit like a few times, mm -hmm. three or five times maybe, it's not a lot, but it heals within seven to 10 days and you forget about that. Yeah. But when your heart is broken, it stays mm -hmm. broken and it stays bleeding for years until you decide to do the inner work to heal it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it bruises, it, 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 it heats, something bleeding on your face or something. That heals pretty fast, seven, 10 days, sometimes longer, but, yeah. but not years. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it yeah. won't say take until, it, it may take even decades, 
until you choose to heal because time does not heal inner wounds mm -hmm. only the inner world heals inner wounds yes exactly well and i will share um so in my healing process i did some abdominal work called chine song or sometimes people call it thai abdominal massage but it's it's um i have a couple books on it here um it is more than just the Thai abdominal massage I learned uh, studying Thai massage. It's a, it's a specific modality in itself that moves the energy within the abdomen. Um, and that's where we store a lot of repressed feelings. And, you know, this was 12 years ago or more for me. And when I was going through trying to open my heart, you know, it was always 50% open. It was half open and, um, and then I went through, you know, opening the door of my heart. And then I realized I had another door. And so I had was simultaneously doing this abdominal work and released some things. Um, the woman asked me, is there a story you haven't told? And that was the story I hadn't told because I was so ashamed by it. Because I had chosen that person and dealt with it for two and a half years. And it, no one understood unless, because um, I remember sharing with some people and realized how many women had went through the same experience before they were, you know, with another partner who was better. Um, and I was like, but no one talks about this. I mean, more and more people are, you're sharing this on your podcast, but I, I specifically went down and I had written it out before and I looked at it and kind of edited it and I submitted it to a paper actually to, um, still waiting if it'll be published, but I was like, no, I need to tell this story and share. Um, but I remember feeling so much shame because my family and friends only saw like that I just sort of went crazy or, you know, or um, shifted my life or he was just a player, you know, that sort of stuff. And it was like, no, I remember I asked, uh, I was living in fear so much that I asked a friend um, that because he had guns in the closet. And I said, I don't know anything about guns. And he, I knew he did. So I asked him to come like deal because I had changed locks. And so this man was not allowed in the home anymore. And I said, can you like take these out? I don't, the guns were fake, which scared me even more because the like psychological mental craziness of that and there was just so much that exploded during that time. But coming back to like how long that kind of stuff affects you, um, it was like within the last six months because um, where I'm at in Mexico is a very healing place. And I, I didn't choose it for that reason. Well, spirit probably led me to choose it for that reason. And um, I was opening my heart, like I'm going back to doing the abdominal work. And I had, you know, there's a story I needed to tell. And this was one. And I'd opened my heart. And then I was like, no, it's not, it's not open. There was another door. It was like a bank vault door during my visualizations. And there I was hiding naked, shaking, like in shock. So then I'm like, oh my God. Like, it, you know, if you think of, um, you know, uh, solitary in a prison, you know, that kind of, you know, nothing on the walls, dark. And I'm like, oh my God, I've been on some level, even though I've been living my life and continuing to heal on some level, I've lived in shock 
since that experience. And no wonder my nervous system was still like a little bit of a wreck, even though I'd done so many things to heal. And, you know, luckily in this visualization, I got up and I walked out, but it took a few times like to not have that door and not go back there because for us um, and understanding this as I share work in the world, like sometimes these are familiar places. We don't know how to not live in shock or, you know, and that sort of stuff. But it was in my adult self, not my inner child self. I had done some work with inner child's things and it was my adult self that was living in shock. So I knew it was related to that incident. And I couldn't believe it, but at the same time, you know, was glad that it was healing. But it was like, wow, I've lived in shock and fear for 10 plus years, 12, 14 years, I guess it had been. And, um, and it's like, wow, it, it explains a lot. Even though in that time, because, you know, I was kind of concentrating as I shared a little bit of my, about my life, on some of the more negative, of course, there's been beautiful aspects. You know, I built a yoga studio and wellness center in that time, um, and then eventually sold it up after over five years. So in this time, I'm stepping into embracing my beauty and creation and my entrepreneurship. Um, so it's like this parallel journey of these beautiful things at the same time healing and stepping into the shadow. Um, and also in this time, um, you know, so, you know, your twenties and your thirties and forties, I'm early forties are very different. I'll say, I enjoy my forties. My wisdom is here and I'm sure it'll so do I, so do I. continue <laughs> to be even better going right. forth, you know, but it's like now the wisdom, you know, is coming, um, or it's here, but like you're paying attention to it and you're using it and stepping into the feminine flow. Yes. Um, and so, and then, um, within all this, uh, learned that, you know, I didn't want this path. I went down the entrepreneurship path instead. And that's totally where I should be professionally and career-wise. Then uh, when I was pregnant, um, and I will share that I, this is when I really started stepping into um, spirit medicine and energy work and spirit guides and I'm really embracing trust and faith I prayed for my daughter I had always been like well um I thought I'd be married you know how we're always told this should be this way um never like prayed to be married and have a family like that was never like on my agenda I just thought it would happen and um thought it would happen with the relationship I was in but it just wasn't the right one. And honestly, he was a good person, but it was, I would have had another child, <laughs> an adult child. Um, and, uh, but he was a safe person, you know, that sort of thing. And so then uh, someone, uh, an energy worker knew when she got to my uterus, like, or my sacral chakra, like there's a longing for a child here, like a heart deep longing. And I said, yeah, I don't like repress it, but I just think, you know, if it's meant to be, it'll be, if it's not, it's not. And she said, your spirit guides want you to ask and pray for a child. And I, so I started really aligning with that. And I prayed for a child two months later, I was pregnant. Now, this was not somebody I was, you know, dating. He was brand new, but I know he was supposed to be her mother, her mother, her father. <laughs> um, and she's, you know, she's, almost three now um 
but my pregnancy and postpartum was not what I thought it would be. And um, I thought, you know, and he even said to me, okay, well, um, you know, this is what he wanted as well. And, you know, so I think you have a family and blah, 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 blah. And, um, and it was tumultuous, not, he wasn't a sociopath, but on the narcissistic scale. Um, but in the end, I think that, you know, and I'm not diagnosing anything, but there's some borderline personality disorder or something, something going on. Also, because I study ancestral lineage stuff and that he carries a lot of energy from unhealed ancestors as well. Um, but, and I know my daughter was made with love and, but at six months pregnant, um, there was an instance where we met with my doula and he got super drunk, like within, it was like, seemed like within 30 minutes. It, and so maybe he was drinking during the day. I don't know. And he had been drunk before, never acted like that, uh, or like I'm going to share. And it was like, he was almost a different person. And, um, and so he started calling me um, a cunt, a bitch and a whore and all kinds of stuff. And we're at a restaurant sitting outside and I got up to leave because I was like, uh-uh. But then I was like, well, he's probably gonna go to jail if I leave him here, like he's out of it. So, okay, get in the car, let's go home. And I'm driving home. And he's still, he's sitting in the passenger seat talking to me. And then he hits me in the side of the head while I'm driving home. And I remember once for sure, it may have happened twice, and then pulled my hair and I swerved into oncoming traffic. And I'm like, no. And so I pulled over. And like, in the meantime, like I poked his eye, like with my thumb, you know, trying to like quit hitting me while driving pregnant six months pregnant and pulled over and he we're like kind of fighting and he takes my purse and dumps everything out on the side of the road and and I, I see a cop kind of there it was like an empty lot sort of thing kind of off in the distance and I'm like you need to pick all that up so we can go home like I'm trying to stay calm and um I said, or, you know, you're going to go to jail. I don't care, blah, blah, blah. You know, okay, he's just, just out, of, out of his mind. And um, I finally picked up for the most part. And, um, and then we start going and that cop pulls us over. And I found myself in a place that I never would have thought I would find myself, you know, because it's up to the woman to tell the cop whether you're in danger and, you know, send that person to jail or whatever. And here I'm like, this has never happened before. This is the father of my child. Um, do I send him to jail and let him go home with this cop right now? Or do we just go home and, you know, like. Pretend nothing happened. Well, not even that, but just like, so he can pass out and then, you know, like that sort of thing. And I'm like, I don't know, you know, this is new. Um, I want to keep myself safe, but I, is this necessary to send him to jail? And to this day, so I told the cop we were just going home. And to this day, I'm glad I said that because in my personal experience, then 
I didn't have to deal with him anymore. And I will, oh. I will share this rest of the story and let you know how. Okay. So, um, because this was my experience, not everybody, um, you know, has this experience. And I wouldn't say you need to do one thing or another. Of course, because everybody yeah. has a different approach, different circumstances and everything. So this is your story. Exactly. So um, the couple's like, okay. And we went home and, um, and I remember him telling me, you're going to be a failure as a mother. You're going to go into a deep depression. And I was like, no, I won't. I'll be a great mother. He was just projecting his stuff on me. I said, no, I won't, because I knew and had done a lot of healing work that I knew and could stand in my, no, I know I'll be fine. And, but I was like, do I really want to be in this home with this man right now? Um, and I went inside, he went to the bathroom. I started to plug in my phone and I couldn't. And that was the decision. I was like, I'm not going to be here without a phone. And I had texted my landlord because I lived in a duplex to tell my neighbors to check in on me within an hour. Um, and what was going on. And so, um, and I, there, were, there was a rock in my phone so from when he dumped it out. So that's why I couldn't charge it. That's what I found later. Oh. Yeah, so thanks to that rock. And so I called my dog and ran out the door and said, let's go. And he was upstairs yelling from the window, like, what are you doing? You know, and I was like, you know, see ya. I'm not going to be here. And, um, and where is your daughter? Oh, yeah, right. Where is your daughter? In your belly. Yeah, for sure. In my in belly. Yeah, I was six that months was old or six, six months pregnant. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yep. And so um, so I got my dog, ran into, um, went over to my parents, and, um, and, and then I woke them up. And, you know, and then I was like, there's a long kind of story be, behind. Like, I didn't want to stay there. It's a long story. <laughs> my my sister was also pregnant um, and li living with them, but like because of what happened with my sister, like she's my parents have to raise her kids, so it was just like I didn't want to be there. Like it was a, it's a long story, but I was having a hard time because like oh I'm finally pregnant and now my sister's pregnant too, <laughs> again for the third time. Oh. It was just yeah it was a it was a long story. So I was like, okay, I can't, I can't stay here. I need to like somewhere else. But of course my parents were like helpful and loving, but I was like, I don't want to spend the night here. So then me and my dog went over another friends. And, um, and so then it was, a, I, I just like, I'm going to get a hotel room. Yeah. Like I just need supportive space by myself and found one, you know, where I could bring the dog and everything. And, um, and so she's, she's out there, I'm looking at her and um, she's here in Mexico now. Right. <laughs> so, um, and then, so then um, went to the hotel, I'm calling the, you know, his mother and she was like, oh, that's happened before a couple times with me. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and cause I'm, I, and so, cause she lived, three hours north. And, um, and she said, you know, just don't speak to him. And then tomorrow, see how his, how he shifts, like when his texts or phone calls or whatever. Um, and so, you know, I spent the night and I didn't pack or anything, you know, when you're in those kind of things, like, you know, I mean, you're as is. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm in what I, uh, and it was interesting because I remember that morning I went to go speak in front of a women's group and he's like, 
I'm so proud of you, what you're doing and sharing with the world. <laughs> so it's like, like it, it was, uh, it was interesting and weird. Um, yeah. So, so then um, it was a big shift. And um, so, you know, at least I'm safe at a hotel, blah, blah, blah. I have my dog, my baby's safe, yada, yada. And the next day I, I went and took a client, um, you know, I had, at least I could shower, uh, you know, and, um, and eventually in the later part in the day, he seemed more level. Um, and I finally went back home and we had a conversation. Of course, at first he's like, oh, I didn't hit you, blah, blah, blah. You're making that up. And I was like, bullshit, and, you know, and then, um, and I'm sure it's a repeated pattern on his part, you know, but it wasn't ever repeated with me. And he had packed up and to leave. And so he kissed me, kissed my belly and I've never seen him again. Oh, yeah. So that's why I was glad I made the decision with the cop of not sending him to jail or else I would have had to see him again and, you know, and, and deal with that. Like, okay. so the way it worked out was the best way. Okay. That's, you know, that's the reason. When yeah. that person accepts to leave and never return again, which is not the case of everyone. Yeah, no, it's not the case of everyone. For me, it was the case and, but I still had to deal with, he would call and threaten me because he, in his mind, thinks he's a father and wants to be a father, but whatever's, you know, imbalanced mental thing doesn't allow him to do that. So he's never paid child support. He's never, he's not on the birth certificate. And I'm not <laughs> sure of that. Yeah, I made sure of that. Okay. Um, and, and those are things like, this was all new. Like I'd never experienced, I'd never had to deal with, you know, father of my child, never thought I would ever have to deal with something. I mean, none of us think that. And, um, but he would call and threaten me, I'll find what hospital you're um, going to deliver at, blah, blah, blah. So I was on the do not publish list and, of so much fear, fear that he would come and show up and something like that would happen again. Um, fear because, you know, he's calling and threatening me. I remember crying in the doctor's office. It kind of makes me want to cry now. Um, my hips went out at 36 weeks. I was on crutches and I was, it was fear, fear of moving forward. Like I'm going to have a child by myself. Even though rationally, yes, I know I can take care of a child by myself. I can provide, I can do this. I've always done, but stepping into childbirth is a oh, super a unknown. Totally different experience. Yeah. And so it really brought up a lot of things that I hadn't healed yet. So I'm actually writing a book about facing the shadow side of motherhood and embracing your rebirth. And so finally, like, Let's see. When my daughter was about six months old, he called, and because if he called and threatened me, I just hung up. Like I didn't like people. Yeah, um, but I think it's because of the experience with the sociopath that I had healed a lot and stepped into my power. That even though, and I was a little annoyed and ashamed that I attracted someone similar. But mm -hmm. this led me to the whole topic: what we're talking about breaking generational cycles. Mm -hmm. 
similar, but not as extreme. But then, you know, he hit me, but he didn't necessarily gaslight me or, you know, verbally abuse me. You know, it was different, but it's like the same spectrum. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, and so it was like, okay, why did I attract somebody like this? Yeah, not as awful, but still did. And um, so that led me to eventually like, start to study ancestral patterns and things because I realized I was repeating patterns of my grandmothers oh yeah so um so yeah. the question is uh I know we are going to to end up that quickly yeah but um to find out that it was your grandmother generational trauma that was just like passed along like like a, a big suitcase of of mm -hmm. all kind of things that you were not even aware of though you were still like caring yeah when did you not when but when you realized that you have to give it back to her yes spiritually because she's not here anymore mm -hmm. but spiritually so that you can break it break the cycle mm -hmm. and and free yourself and free your daughter at the same time yes. because she's in the same line so how yes. to protect her mm -hmm. yeah so so through all of that um yeah and once in a while i still hear from them uh every six months but i don't talk to them but anyway i just this is my life and I'm protecting my daughter and keeping her from living in chaos. But so once I recognized, because I started under, started studying the um, ancestral patterns, I had an awareness of it. And that's why I can say that he was carrying some stuff as well. That was not necessarily his, um, but I, I know he, he's also sensitive and everything, but that just because I understand that does not make me be okay with how, what happened. So I'm at least healed enough for that. But I was like, okay, so my sister's a single mother and okay, I kind of understood why that happens. You know, she, she has the mental capacity, but she also has a brain injury. You know, there's a certain difference there. But I was like, why am I a single mother? Why am I attracting men like this? I'm strong, independent, smart, you know? But it was the seeking love outside myself mm -hmm. and being so empathic and understanding. I mean, not that that's bad. I'm just saying, you know, not attracting that. But then I started under, I started thinking about on my mother's side, my grandmother, I mean, my mother attracted my father and my father's a good hearted man, but he's also controlling and an alcoholic, but he's not abusive. He can be verbally abusive, but, um, but not not in an extreme narcissistic way by any means. Um, and, and so it was like, yeah, sure. You, there are always reflections of our father, you know, or something like that on some levels, but like my father's not like these, these people I've attracted. So what's going on here? And, um, and then I started thinking about my mother's mother, my grandmother, and her husband, my mother, my grandfather was 14 years older than my grandmother and worked two jobs, was never home. They slept separately um, and then was, um, my mother had said once to me that my grandmother was angry and resentful about that because she had birth and raised seven kids. So she was like a single mom with a provider, you know, who, but who wasn't home, that, that was it. 
And I was like, hmm. So she didn't have the partner that she needed either. And I don't, and so I started asking my aunts who were older um, and may have understood or, you know, remembered things more than my mom did. And um, so it was like, okay, that was interesting. And who knows, he could have been um, maybe not abusive, but just, you know, not there. Obviously he wasn't there. And there's a relationship dynamic that could have played out beyond what my mother or even my aunts knew. Cause you don't know always what happens between um, husband and wife. And then, so my aunt told me even about her mother or um, her, so their grandmother, my great, great grandmother, and her husband of 50 years was schizophrenic. So schizophrenia runs in the males on that side of the family. Um, and so she said, and there, and once he chased her down the street and tried to kill her. And it took five cops to pull him, her, him off of her. And he was in and out of mental institutions and on um, psychedelic you know, drugs or whatever. Um, and because I, I remember my mother saying he was just scary, like he'd always be in the corner, probably drugged up. Um, but she was with him until his dying day and cared for him. And I said, well, what choice did she have then, back then? You know, she was, her, her role was to raise kids and take care of her husband. And, you know, but so she also attracted someone with a mental illness and who could not really be there. And she was a single mother on some level who also had to care for her husband. And I was just like, so this is a generational pattern and probably goes beyond my great grandmother. Um, I just know those stories. So when we start asking our, about these stories, we start learning and we can be like, this is beyond us. We don't, it's not just us. We, we don't have to blame ourselves. Um, and, and how do we shift that? And, and, and it was, so some of it, what I've used has been family constellation work. I'm not sure if you've ever- I, Yes, yeah, I, I okay. did that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's but, helpful. But, but maybe, oh. maybe the listeners are yeah. not. So basically constellation work is that you use some real people here and available now to play the role of this or that person in your life and those people are actually channeling these other people they represent so that you can create like a, a, a play of what is going on in that uh, spiritual realm in that energetical realm yes yes i i haven't done it that way but that is a lot of times how people will share like in a group um and it's very healing for the person who is you know you're working you're the person working on your family and these people are playing the roles but it's also very healing for the people playing the roles on some it is. level it is. i have actually experienced it in um, more of using footprints and I'm just imagining the person is in front of me and it's very power that visualization and talking to that person with a guide that's helping you say the right words whether in your head or um, out and um, and that has been one way on different levels um, Mark Woolen has a book, It Didn't Start With You, and he talks about family constellation work and core language. So like when we're at our deepest or lowest and the words come out and maybe we don't understand why, like then we start to realize they're not our words. They're, because 
I remember the, one of the things that also led me to realize it was my grandmother's was I remember seeing like, why am I so alone? Like, why am I going through life so alone? Um, sure, I have my parents, but like, I, I've always been independent and, and which has made me who I am too. But I just remember those words would come out. I want someone to take care of me. I'm always taking care of everyone else. I'm so alone. And yes, on some level that was true, but why? And, and then this I, is where you discover generational trauma. Yeah. And so bet between kind of watching, why am I attracting these people? Why am I using these words? And then asking that, which led me to ask about stories where I learned, mm -hmm. you know, about these stories. And I said, yeah, I'm repeating patterns. Mm -hmm. I'm repeating patterns that aren't mine. Mm -hmm. And, and through becoming aware of that, and then through some, you know, whether it's energetic exercises or visualizations, or yes, it can, family constellation in particular can be um, done in the group work, using those as well as um, some Qigong, plugging into yes. the universe, um, Qigong level uh, things to help move emotions and move these things. And then doing, I started learning ancestral lineage repair work uh, with Dr. Daniel Four and his wife. Uh, he has a book called Ancestral Medicine. And also I enjoyed the course because then it was the community and stuff, but the book has everything. So between like all of this learning about all this stuff and doing some repair work, I actually still have not gone through the whole lineage repair process with my mother's side because one of the first steps in the repair work is assessing the bloodlines, the four main ones. And my mother's side is not well, like they're the least well. So you're supposed to work with the most well first. And that was my grandmother's on my father's side. And, and next for me is working with my grandfather on my father's side. Mm -hmm. um, because when I tune into my mother's side, it's anger and resentment. Um, and if I go to my grandfather's side there, it's scary. It is. Like, yeah, so so then, so it's like they're last because the, the way that Dr. Daniel Four uh, talks about is working with the most well, which takes a long time still. Mm -hmm. Healing, uh, when you're not doing all the work, you're initiating with elder ancestors um, for them to do the work. And you're just kind of, re you're repairing because there used to be these ancestral reverences, reverence and healing practices in our cultures and lineages. And they've been broken for a lot of European descent um, for everyone, um, not just European descent, but, um, but especially because my lineages are more the British Isles um, as well as German, you know, like they're not practicing ancestral reverence practices. And Eventually. so it's, yeah, but yeah. yeah. It's repair work. And so anyway, so you work with the most well to the most unwell so that you have the blessings and the support of the well and loving ancestors and more and more of them as you go into the darker parts of the lineages. Totally. I think it's a very important point that you bring across. Thank you for speaking into that, sharing your stories and really letting people understand how this generational trauma may play out in your life mm -hmm. and recognizing it so that you stop blaming yourself for it 
so that you start to really do the inner work to break it, to interrupt it, and not alone. Never do that, that, that work alone. You, you have and you ask other guides and people and spiritual guides to help you, guide you, because when you do that work, it is taxing on your emotion. It takes mm -hmm. a toll. Mm -hmm. on the during the time of the work so mm -hmm. you have to have some 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 well aware conscious guide who are not involved in your journey but in can understand and feel you and understand you and and connect with that spiritual and energetical mm -hmm. energetical level mm -hmm. and for that it's absolutely gorgeous yeah. the stories that you shared today mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for giving me um, an opportunity to share. And I, even though sometimes it still kind of twinges the heart a bit, um, because grief is not a single layer, you know. It is that, not. That, you you know. have many, many layers to that. Mm -hmm. And it takes um, and, and, and yeah. your daughter is at least three years old. That means that, um, yeah. and not even that. So that means it's still pretty recent, all of that. Oh, yes, exactly. Still exactly. pretty recent. Mm -hmm. and, and there are days I'm more emotional where I will of cry course. more about that. Um, but at the same time, I don't like stay in there. You know, yes. obviously I've changed my life and followed my heart and we have a beautiful life in Mexico. And this mm -hmm. is something I've wanted to do for 20 years and made and excuses about, made yeah, and finally did it. But I had to work through a lot of fear, mm -hmm. you know, luckily I didn't have to deal with um, the legal stuff of, you know, birth certificate and that sort of things. Yeah. I mean, a lot of women have to deal with that. I know you've probably had to deal with I that. Did. I did. Yeah. So luckily, you know, it was, it was a gift. Uh, it was a gift that he left and wasn't in the picture. It was a gift. It, is. it was a gift for me and my daughter because we would not have been able to do this. Mm -hmm. I would have been trapped in some way. <laughs> Of course, on many levels. Yeah. So, so that there's lots of silver linings to what happened, even though, you know, there, you know, it's, it's been sometimes challenging, but it's also the way I, you know, mentally, I could live and stay in the, oh, I'm a single mother. Blah, 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 blah. No, 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 but you sheep, but I around. don't. Yeah, uh -huh, you don't. I don't. I don't. I'm like I mean, okay, you, are, you, you are a strong and powerful single yeah, mother. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I don't. I don't even like saying single mother, but it's easy to kind of like here's. But with that, at least you can connect with other single mother, and you can yes group together yeah. so that nobody is alone. Yes. So I don't. I don't. I. I. I've. I've never. I can't say I've never. I've probably you know been in those spots. But I've always just, okay, we're going to do this. Okay, you know, look at how beautiful our life is. My daughter yeah. does not have to be raised in chaos. Um, you know, I can give her so many things. And, you know, and when it comes to the generational cycles, like, the, you know, there's a big movement for gentle parenting, which is great. Mm -hmm. And I, I try to implement those practices. But what I don't hear a lot about, and maybe sometimes, is... We also have to do all this healing ourselves we do. because it's easier to implement gentle parenting practices when we've worked on our inner child and, and, and when we've healed um, in many our heart and opened it up more to receive and, and that sort of stuff. I, I know like 
because of the work I've done to open my heart, like I can feel my daughter love me on an energetic level. I know she does, but I can now feel it. That's amazing. Yeah. Alisa, thank you so much for having come today. Thank you for sharing your experience, your life and everything your daughter. We really embrace everything. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. For now. Mm -hmm.